I want to thank Pastor Paul and Mr. Braxton for both taking the pulpit over the last two weeks. They did an amazing job, and I thank them for doing that so I could take time to be with family. And, uh, of course, it was not time off. You know, when you go home, they expect you to work. So I preached while I was there. So you know how it goes. I ask you forgive me this morning as I'm sitting. I threw my back out. So uh, tell your husband I'm going to be calling him this week, Mrs. Marty. He and I are going to have a... Uh, powwow as he has to put me back together. Have I got a deal for you, says every commercial we watch. Have I got a deal for you? I have the after Christmas, the after New Year sale for you. Be it a wireless plan, a car, pots and pans, a brand new cell phone, you name it, they're trying to sell it to us, aren't they? Did you know that's nothing new? It's nothing new. They have been trying to sell us things for hundreds and hundreds of years. In fact, my friends, what they're trying to sell us now is nothing compared to what they were trying to sell us 500 years ago. 500 years ago, they weren't trying to sell us pots and pans and cell phones and wireless plans. They were trying to sell us things to save our souls. In fact, uh, oh, I, you know what? I'm looking at the thing going, why isn't it changing? It's because I'm in control of it. So you see what happens? Take a week off. You don't know what you're doing anymore. I want you to meet some people this morning. The first one is John Tetzel. He's the salesman. He was sent by the Roman church. The Roman church had a plan. They had this great idea. You see, what they believed at that time, and what they believed was this. Jesus' death and burial and resurrection took care of Adam's sin. It put us back to zero. But your sin, my sin, what we do in our life, we had to work our way through using the seven graces of the church. And if we had not quite done enough, we would be sent to a place called purgatory. And there we would suffer until our debt was paid. But the church said, have we got a deal for you? We have a way that you can get out of purgatory. You can get out of suffering. Or your loved ones, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, even your mother-in-law can get out of purgatory. It only cost you a few coins. In fact, John Tetzel 
had come up with a little song, a little ditty, and it would go something like this. This is roughly translated into English. It goes, as soon as a coin into the coffer rings, another soul from purgatory springs. How's that sound? As soon as it tinkles, as soon as you pay, we'll knock 2,000 years off your stay. And you could go to heaven. Now there was a, a man who had a problem with that. You see, what the church was saying was, we have these saints and they've done so much good, we'll tap into their good and we'll apply it to your account. We'll tap into Jesus' good and apply it to your account so you can be set free. And the man thought, why should we pay for it? Why doesn't the church just apply it? Why doesn't the church just give it? Why is it a fundraising scheme? And so he turned to the scriptures. He began digging into the scriptures. The man's name was Martin Luther. And Martin began to think and reason from the scriptures. And as he studied, he wrote his findings, he wrote his questions. And the legend has it, he nailed them on the door of Wittenberg Castle. And from that, the Reformation was born. And from that birth, the Reformation, our statement called the five solas, or the five alones, or the five onlys. And I'd love you to read them with me. They go like this. It's justification or being made right with God or our salvation is, read this part, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the scriptures alone, to the glory of God alone. If you can memorize that, you have got the basis of what we believe as a church. You've got the basis of what we believe as followers of Christ. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the scriptures alone. Now, you see that according to the scriptures alone, this is where we're going to start because this is where the first fight of the Reformation started. This is where Martin Luther started. In fact, when he wrote his 95 Theses, he did so with the belief that scriptures alone had the authority and they alone had the authority to be our final, get this, put this down. You can you phase out for a few moments after this, but get this one point. Okay, all of you who want to glaze out, get this one point. The, uh, they had the authority to be our final decision maker. They alone. This was a radical thought. No one had ever thought this before. You see, not since the church 
had been founded, not since the church fathers, but in the last few hundred, couple hundred years before this was written, there had been a change in the church. The church had changed to thinking that it was the Pope and the councils and church tradition that had the authority. They believed that the church traditions that the Pope and the councils gave Scripture authority. And in fact, so radical was it in his day that Martin Luther was called to a place called the Diet of Worms. Lest you think this is a new fad diet, it was a meeting in the town of Worms. Worms, Germany. And it was... It was the meeting of the century. Everybody who was anybody was there. From political leaders to religious leaders to entertainment people, they were all there. And Martin Luther went and he thought he was going to debate his thought. Little did he know that he was going for the trial of his life. When he walked into the room that he thought would be where they would hold the debate, he saw a table. On the table laid everything he had ever written. And he realized that this was not a debate room, but a courtroom. The man who would face him was a man by the name of Johann von Eck. Johann looked at him. Johann said to him, he said this, Martin, are these your writings? And will you recant or change your mind? Will you say that these are false? These writings that say we must trust the word of God. And Luther said, may I have a night to consider my response. Luther did not ask because he was afraid. He asked because he knew the gravity of what he would respond. So Luther met the next morning. He stood and he said, I will not recant due to the fact my work is based upon the word of God. I will recant if you can prove that I am in error with the Word of God. If you can prove from the Word of God I am wrong, I will recant in a moment. But you cannot. And then he said this, Unless I am convinced by the testimony of Scripture or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or in the councils alone, since it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves, I am bound by the Scriptures that I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the Word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. I cannot do otherwise. Here I stand, God help me. And when he said that, Luther believed that he was headed to death. Now, he didn't die. God intervened. 
but he believed he was going to die for that statement. And God used him and other men of Scripture to begin the Reformation. Now you say, Pastor Greg, this is, this is interesting-ish, sort of. Thank you. I'll wake up my husband in a moment. He's getting a good nap. But pastor, we don't believe in following what the Pope says. We don't believe in the councils or traditions. Why are you sharing this with me? Because in 500 years, which have come and gone, a new Pope has risen not of the Catholic Church, but of the individual. Recently, a friend of mine who I had served with in ministry for many years wrote, I have to choose what I believe Jesus would be like instead of what the Scriptures say He is like. I'm no longer going to go by what the Scriptures say I feel he is this. And so that's what I'm going to choose. You see, we have become people who follow what we feel. I make the my decisions of what I believe and what I will follow, and I make the final choices. I go by what I feel, what I want, what I determine to be right and wrong, and I bow my knee to no outside arbitrator of right and wrong, of that which declares the path to God, or that which declares God, that which declares God's will, that which declares God's way. And so we've created a new Pope. And so as we go back and talk about the five solas, we are fighting the same battle over again. Instead of the church of Rome, it's the church of self. So when we examine this morning, what does it mean when we say we believe in sola scriptura or only scripture? I would ask, let's examine who's in charge, you or the scriptures. And can you match what the scriptures are? For the scriptures are unique. The scriptures are are our final arbitrator. They are the final say from God for a reason. So join me this morning as we look and see why. Number one, the scriptures are inspired. Listen to the word of God. All Scripture is God is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. When we say that we believe in the Scriptures as inspired, we are saying that we believe that God breathed them out, 
that is breathed out of his very being. It comes from God himself. Men did not write it, nor did, could they write it if they wanted to. It's not a collection of human ideas. We understand that God is the primary author and source, with man as a secondary author that God chose to record the message he wanted to send. God used over 40 human authors to send his message to us, but God is the ultimate author. Yes, we may call a book Matthew or Job, but it is God who is the author. And because the Bible is inspired when it speaks, God speaks, and that is for the entire, the total word of God. This marks the Bible different than every other book in the world. God's words and man's words are different in depth and value. The words of man have no power to rescue a sinner or to comfort a saint. God's words can rescue a lost soul and cause a Christ follower to be conformed to the image of God. There is no other book on this planet that can do that. Listen to the words of Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, of discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The inspired Bible can do that while every other book of man is dead and powerless in the things of God. How about you? Can you match inspiration? Secondly, we discover that those scriptures are inerrant. And because they are inerrant, they are also necessary. This is what, it, what God spoke and was recorded in his word is without error. Listen to what it says in John 17, 17. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. It is flawless. What Jesus says, whatever God speaks is truth. One way to translate truth is the word reality. Truth is the way things really are. Therefore, what God says about humanity is the way it truly is. Sin, salvation, judgment, heaven, hell are exactly what God says about them. What he says is reality. Can you say that about yourself? Do you truly have an accurate picture of everything? Are you ever fooled? Are you ever mistaken? Do you ever have the wrong view of everything, anything? Jesus says, not the Scriptures. Because God is a holy God, He is incapable of lying. He always tells it like it is. God is the God of truth, so he tells the truth. And everything God says in the scripture is truth. And because it is truth, it is necessary. God reveals what we need to know in his scriptures. Without his revelation, we have no hope. So God wants us to understand this point. He gives us a picture. Listen to Psalm 12, 6. Sorry. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. This is a picture. 
The ancients would heat silver in a furnace. The impurities would rise to the surface and the smelter or metal worker would scoop them out. The idea of refining something seven times means it's refined to the place of perfection. There's nothing wrong with it. There's no flawed human opinions or philosophies. I love what author Stephen Lawson says. God's word Though 40 human authors speak, it speaks with one voice of the one author, God. It does not contradict itself. It shows one dilemma for, hum- for mankind, sin. One solution, the gospel of Jesus Christ. One pattern of living, holiness in Jesus Christ. One pattern, one plan for the end of the age, the return of Jesus Christ. Notice thirdly with me. Scripture is our highest authority. The Word of God is the highest arbiter for the church. Everything in the church must yield to the Word of God and what the Bible teaches. Read with me, look with me at Psalm 19, 7 and 8. The law of the Lord, the law of the Lord is perfect reviving the soul the testimony of the lord is sure making wise the simple the precepts of the lord are right rejoicing the heart the commandment of the lord is pure enlightening the eyes notice that it's the law the commandment it's not a collection of ideas or suggestions it is the authority to lead our churches and to lead our lives I really wish I could be walking around right now to make these points. A pastor I know had his nephew come to him. His nephew went to, actually his nephew went to his father. The nephew said, my uh, fiance and I, dad, want to have our uncle who's a pastor perform our wedding. And the dad said, well, you know your uncle. He's going to say to you some questions. Can I ask you the questions he's going to say to you? Sure, dad. He's going to say, were both of you raised in the church? And they say, yeah. Do both of you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, dad, we do. He said, then you know your uncle's going to ask you this next question. Do you believe the Bible is the word of God? Yes, yes, Dad. We will tell tell our uncle, yes, we do. Then you know your uncle's going to ask, do you live by what it says concerning premarital sex? And the young man and his fiancée looked at the father He says, well, Dad, you know, yeah, we're having sex outside of marriage. In fact, we moved in together because, you know, we we love each other and we just think it's natural. You know, that's that's old-fashioned stuff, waiting till marriage and stuff. Well, you know what your uncle's going to ask you? He's going to say, do you believe the Bible? And if you do, then you need to stop. You need to repent, and you need to take the steps to make it right. The young man and his fiancée looked at each other and said, then we're not going to ask our uncle to perform the wedding. 
you see the brother then went to the uncle and shared the story. And the uncle said, I'd like you to follow up with your, with your son. I'd like you to share with them this. When the word of God confronts you, you have a choice because the word of God reveals something to you. The word of God reveals at that point that you refuse to do it once it's been revealed, it, re it means that either you have chosen to live in rebellion to the Word of God and to the author, or you don't belong to the author. Which is it? You see, when the Word of God reveals where we're in rebellion, we have a choice of either changing or finding out that maybe if our heart doesn't really want to change, maybe we don't belong to the author. Maybe we don't belong to Jesus. And now it's an opportunity to become a follower of Christ. Now some of you are sitting there and go, man, I'm glad Pastor Greg took a stand against premarital sex. That's so great. I really wish he would have taken a stand against pornography or homosexuality or abortion or whatever. But what if instead I had mentioned or how you treat your parents, or how you treat your spouse, or lying, or gossip, or being deceptive at work, or cheating your employer, or whatever your sin is. The same question's there. Are you living in rebellion to the Word of God? Or do you belong to Jesus? And maybe you don't. That's the beautiful thing about the authority of Scripture. For the authority of Scripture reveals where either we need to go through the process of change or it calls us to the... And I would call you to either one of those this morning. I know it convicted me this week. I was starting to do something, and I'm like, ooh, I need to repent. Ooh, and it kept hitting. Ooh, I need to repent. Maybe you have something you need to just bow your head right now and repent of. I encourage you to do that. Now, because of the authority of Scripture, you need to Say, I don't know Jesus Christ, but I sure'd like to. If that's you, I'd ask you to talk with one of us afterward. We would love to share that with you. Notice, fourthly, with me, scriptures have clarity, perspicuity, 
The commandment of the Lord is pure. That means crystal clear. It's like looking in a lake that is, you can look and see the bottom of it. It's, it enlightens the eyes. The idea here is that what is important in Scripture, like the plan of salvation, how to know God, is clear. And yes, there are things that are difficult to understand, but the things that matter are clear. And even the things that are difficult can be discovered. This is so different than in the time of Luther. They made sure that that everything was taught in Latin. They didn't want the Bible in the language of the people. And yet, we want the Bible in the language of the people. We want people to discover what the Bible has to say. That salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. My friend, have you found out what the Bible has to say for you? We know that Scripture is sufficient to do what God wants it to do. The Bible is able to carry out God's saving and sanctifying work. Sanctifying means the process of helping us grow into the people God wants us to be. There's nothing else that needs to be added to the Word of God. It is complete just as it is. It is complete in the matters of finding acceptance with God and growing in relationship with Him. I love what the psalmist wrote about the law of the Lord being perfect, which is complete. I love what Isaiah wrote. And he says this, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing which I sent it. In other words, God's word will not fail. It will do what it's supposed to do. It'll teach, it'll correct, it'll strengthen, it'll train, it'll restore, it'll bring life, it reveals our hearts, it convicts, and it does so much more. And it's God's wondrous tool to use for glory in our lives. Friends, are you sufficient on your own? No. But God's word is. The scriptures are invincible. The person, spirit, empowered servant of the king, no human power can match. The word of God is known as the sword of the spirit. And I want to show you just one small spot Remember our Savior in the wilderness? Remember when he was tempted by Satan? Remember what he does? He uses the word of God. To him and says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And he answers, but it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then Satan takes him and puts him on top of the temple and, Jesus, and he says to him, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down. Prove to everyone you're the Son of God. And Jesus says, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then he takes him out, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Every time Satan came at him, every time Jesus responds with one thing, the Word of God. You know, I may not be smart enough to take on the enemy on my own, 
but the word of God is us. So here's our conclusion. Why is this important? Why does it matter today? You know, we're not tempted to follow a pope, but to follow our own decision-making, our own emotions, our own feelings. I want you to stand on Scripture alone. I want you to anchor yourself, your hearts and your minds in Scripture. Because when we move away from the Scriptures, we move away from the author. God and His Word are bound together. You can't separate them. His work and His Word are united And when I take a step away from his word, I'm taking a step away from the one who uttered it. When I abandon the scriptures, when I move away from the scriptures, I'm moving away from Jesus Christ. There is a connection between the living word and the written word. Scripture is identified by Paul as the word of Christ in Romans 10, 17, in in Colossians 3, 16. The Holy Spirit led the writer to pen, let the word of Christ richly indwell you. Jesus himself told the, the Pharisee, says, you, you study the scriptures, but don't you see me in them? They should tell you of me. Why? Because they're united. So when I move away from the scriptures, I move away from Jesus. When I abandon or forsake the written word, I've, I, I move away from, from the ability to know truth and, and I become open to lies and deception. I lose my standard. I lose my filter. You say, but I depend on my heart. But Jeremiah 17, 9 says, our heart is wicked and deceitful. And who can know it? My heart can be lied to. My heart can lie to myself. But the Word of God doesn't lie. It's truth. And when I anchor myself in the truth, I can discover truth. I can see the mind of God. I can discover God's glory. I can see God's light. And when I walk away from it, I lose all of that. And to forsake the written word of God is to forsake the gospel of Jesus Christ. The written word of God presents the gospel message. And to reject the gospel as taught in the Bible is to walk away from that gospel message. Ephesians 1.13 In him also you also you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. We're sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. When I walk away from the Word of God, I walk away from the gospel message it presents. Oh, friends, we need the Word of God today just like they needed it 500 years ago. Our challenges are May we be a people of sola scriptura, of the scriptures alone.